0: Love Talk Radio Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here Welcome to another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Joined by my co host, Susie Porton. Susie, how are you today?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: I am doing well. Had a wonderful three days of an advanced training in Oslo, Norway last week. And we have a, and what a wonderful group that was. Um, I hope some of them are listening to the program. But they were a fantastic group. Uh, Lots of Swedes in the group, not just Norwegians. This week, we have the um, three day school mental health summit coming up in Edmonton, Alberta. And then we have the three day first annual European summit on non adversarial, non punitive interventions for at risk kids. In Jottebode, Sweden. And then next Friday, we have the annual summit of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine. And then the three days following that, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the following week, we have another three day school mental health summit in Vancouver, British Columbia. And then I'm going to fall down.
1: <laughs> that is quite the ambitious schedule.
0: Not exactly sure how it worked out that way, but um, it is what it is, and boy, a lot of stuff going on for Lives in the Balance in the next three weeks. It's terrific. It is terrific. We also recently had a uh, fundraiser in Greenwich, Connecticut, sponsored by uh, two of our advisory committee members, Meredith Furtado and Heather Mosley. Another one in New York City in uh, January. A few coming up in the Boston area and in Maine uh, in the spring. Also that we can make sure that um, behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers get the support and understanding they need. And all of that is pretty cool. Speaking of pretty cool, people can call into this program if they want that number is 347 994 Two nine eight one. Please press one. And um, we got a bunch of email to get through today. If we want to, no callers yet. Anything you wanted to start with today?
1: Um. Yeah. This is what I was thinking about over the weekend. That we live in a culture that's instantaneous. We all want immediate gratification. So one thing I wanted to mention was to remind listeners about the importance of taking and making time to work on the model. The model's a process that takes time. Just because you're having a dialogue with your child doesn't always mean that the unsolved problem gets resolved in the first conversation. That it could take days, even weeks, to complete all three steps. And the first conversation might not get the job done because it didn't address both parties' concerns or concerns didn't get on the table, or maybe the mutually satisfying solution was not realistic. The adult and child have to go back to the Plan B drawing board and resolve the problem so that it's mutually satisfactory and addresses addresses both parties' concerns. So, yes, the model takes time, but a lot less time than explosions and meltdowns. I found even just 15 minutes a day, of course, making an appointment with my son, but talking and working things out proactively and collaboratively, indirectly taught the lagging skills, and eventually, as the problem was solved, eliminated meltdowns and explosions, and even... Eliminated the maladaptive behavior?
0: Um, plan B takes time. A lot of the reason behaviorally challenging, the unsolved problems remain unsolved is because we're in too big of a rush to get them solved. Right. Susie, did you know that this is program number 195 of Parenting Your Challenging Child? No, I did not. And that means that before the new year, we will have done program number 200. And we are going to have to find a way to celebrate program number 200. First, we're going to have to figure out when it is. Mm-hmm. this is one ninety five next week i'm still we're still going to try to do the program next week from Sweden very um, cool well, we'll see if I can pull it off in terms of um calling in but I'm reasonably certain that I can by one mm-hmm. means or another mm-hmm. and so we will do the call from Sweden and maybe even see if we can get some of my Swedish colleagues to come on the program with us. Wonderful. Um, So it should be fun if I do it from the first annual European Summit on Non-Punitive, Non-Adversarial Interventions for At-Risk Kids. It's a mouthful, but I believe we have almost 500 people coming from all over Europe to participate in that summit, as well as a bunch of internationally known speakers isn't that great? So we'll have to do something to celebrate program number 200. But first we have to figure out when it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we turn to the mailbox? Sure. Here we go. This is one that came in just two days ago. Hot off the press. I'm an active member in your Facebook Plan B group, and we have been using CPS for four to five years now in our home. I would like to know what you consider setting limits as opposed to plan A. I feel like setting limits can be done while collaborating with your kid during a plan B type of conversation in the solutions part. If you aren't getting your kid's input and are only giving them choices that you can come up with, isn't that plan A in disguise? Or is it even in disguise? All right, it is not in disguise. (laughs) (laughs) choices are usually double-barreled plan A. You can do this unilateral uninformed solution or you can do that unilateral uninformed solution, kid. I'm giving you the choice, but that's not collaborative. And if it's not collaborative, it's not plan B. If it's not collaborative, it's not plan B. So if the choices are arrived at collaboratively, I guess that could be plan B, although to tell you the truth, if you're looking for a solution to a problem and you're doing it in collaboration with a kid, I'm not exactly sure by what process people would come up with choices. Don't know how that would work. That's why most of the time that adults are using choices, it's not plan B. It's double-barreled plan A. Now, to the first part of the question, Um, the reason you're setting limits when you're doing plan B well, let's think about what setting limits means. Setting limits means you have an expectation and you want to make sure that it gets addressed, or you, you want to make sure that it gets met, or you have a concern and you want to make sure that it gets addressed. A concern about perhaps homework not getting done or teeth not getting brushed, or a kid not joining the family for dinner because his brain has been sucked into a video game, Or, well, now, if any of those things are happening and you want to make sure that your concern gets addressed, then you are setting limits just as much when you're doing plan B, but a whole lot more effectively as you are when you're doing plan A. The great myth is that the only way to set limits with a kid is by doing plan A. You are setting limits when you're doing Plan B by making sure that your concerns get addressed and by raising an unmet expectation with your child. That's what setting limits is. So if your kid is not getting along with his sibling during playtime and you want him to get along with his sibling during playtime, you're setting limits if you discuss that with him. Come up with a solution. And the problem gets solved because now they are getting along during playtime or at least we've come up with a solution so that they are no longer doing what they were doing that you felt you needed to set limits on. You're setting limits when you're doing Plan B. You are not collaborating unless you are doing Plan B. Susie... um, setting limits is a concern for every parent nobody wants to be a pushover no one wants to get the wool pulled over their eyes were you worried about whether you'd still be able to set limits if you started doing plan b um remember that being a big concern of yours it's a big concern for a lot of parents
1: it no what was no, it wasn't um a concern of mine i I believed that by working things out together, you could set limits um, it was what was hard for me was um saying my concern um, in the second step of the Plan B process. Um, I was just terrified of my son's uh, swearing and screaming and explosions. Um, And so that part was very difficult. The good news is, is that you know, sometimes for a long time, I defaulted into Plan C, um, but then rec- recognized that it wasn't helping my son and I was no longer comfortable with it. Um, so we uh, got the Plan B ball rolling. But um, I, I think I did understand that working things out together, you are setting limits.
0: Got it. More than one way to skin a cat. Don't love the expression, but it's true. Here's another. I am new to the collaborative and proactive solutions model, but I'm very excited to start using it with my 12-year-old son. I've watched most of the videos and also purchased some books, although I have not yet started it. The question I have right away is how do you communicate with a child who, have a very difficult, who has a very difficult time communicating himself? Our son's lagging skills include having difficulty verbalizing his feelings and thoughts. This is especially true when he has made a mistake at home or school. He is quick to deny and easy to upset, resulting in a complete shutdown. His go-to answers are, I don't know and I don't remember. And quite honestly, I don't know if he does know why he does what he does. Our son has an ADHD diagnosis and meets nearly all of the lagging skills on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Any information you can provide or refer me to would be much appreciated. All right, here we go. There are definitely kids who have difficulty communicating. And sometimes with those kids, we use pictures or fingers so that they can so we can, we can say something and they can signal to the degree to which it is true. We've talked about that on many previous programs, but I don't think that's the issue here. I'm trying to read between the lines here, and I'm going to read it exactly as it says in this email. This is especially true when he has made a mistake at home or school. He is quick to deny and easy to upset, resulting in a complete shutdown. I got a feeling that um, people are trying to talk to this 12-year-old in the heat of the moment and possibly even trying to talk with him about his behavior because that's what kids are quick to deny and get upset over when we try to talk with them about their behavior. But when you're doing Plan B, you're not doing it in the heat of the moment and you aren't talking with the kid about his behavior talking about the problems that cause those behaviors. And so I can see that this mom said that she has already filled out the ALSEP, but says the lagging skills part, the part that is going to be crucial for her to fill out is the unsolved problems section because those are the expectations. The 12-year-old son is having difficulty meeting, and those are the expectations that she's going to be talking with her son about in Plan B Proactively, and the beauty of that is that number one, it's proactive, not in the heat of the moment. Good luck talking about problems in the heat of the moment. It's got low odds. It's there if you need it, but it's low odds. Uh, you can have much better success talking about it, things in the uh, proactively, but you're also going to have a whole lot better shot at having a kid talk to you if you're talking with the kid about unsolved problems rather than the behaviors that are being caused by those unsolved problems. Kids shut down when we try to talk with them about behavior. They think they're in trouble. They get defensive. And the the most benign things they do when that happens is say, I don't know, and I don't remember. We're not talking with the kid about behavior. We're not doing it in the heat of the moment. We're talking about unsolved problems. And we're doing it proactively. And um, boy, I do hope this mom will let us know how that goes, but those are two big modifications um, to what I suspect, I'm not positive, but I suspect she might be trying to do. Big shift in this model away from behaviors and toward problems, away from the heat of the moment and into proactively, and away from unilateral and toward collaborative. But that list of unsolved problems sure is going to be helpful at making all of that happen. It's very hard to make all of that happen without the list. Susie, thoughts on that? Um,
1: I remember well that our 12-year-old son was um, barely communicating to us. um, And for a very long time... I think I've mentioned before that all we talked about was car rims for a while. But I always tried to make an appointment with my son um, and tried to teach a uh, vocabulary so that he could learn to communicate his feelings and thoughts Um It's a great opportunity that the mom and the family is starting now when the son is 12 years old um, because sometimes things get, life gets tougher as kids grow older. But the main point that I wanted to say was that you're working in Plan B, you're working together, you're doing something with your child. but it does take time uh, to, to make this relationship
0: work. And solving problems takes time too. Good. Mm-hmm. Here's another. Let me just double-check here. Oh, we have some callers. So Great. Uh, let's, we have two callers, in fact. Let's start with area code 617. Callers always take priority on this program. Area code 617, you are on the air. How you doing today?
2: Hello. Can you hear me?
0: We can. Hi, ah, How yes. are you?
2: Okay. Um, actually, it's curious uh, that I came in after the previous email because it sounds very similar to my situation, um, except for my son is nine and sounds very similar to all of the things they mentioned. We've gotten a little bit past the I don't knows but we're having a little struggle coming up with um, solutions that don't avoid the situation that is causing the problem. And we're having a little trouble drilling past, you know, avoiding doing whatever it is that is causing that, which obviously doesn't address my concern, but he also is not willing to kind of move past to include that. Do you have suggestions on how to kind of get him past avoiding it and learning to handle it.
0: I would have I will have lots of suggestions as with Susie, but any chance you can give us a specific example to work with?
2: Um I guess the most basic example of it would be um various different subjects at school are frustrating to him, so he doesn't want to do them. And so he's causing You know, if if he's stuck on math because it has a word problem versus straight arithmetic, he just, you know, crumples up the paper and pushes it aside. And so when we discuss, you know, asking for help or, you know, doing a variety of different things, he really just says, I think I'll just not do math and, you know, or not go to school would be another solution he'd
0: propose. Um, And that, of course, would not be mutually satisfactory. (laughs) Right. So here's the question. When we ask them about the math, first of all, it's very hard, unless you're talking about homework, it's very hard to do for a parent to solve problems that are going on at school. I know. Because um, you're missing information. And Mm -hmm. that makes it tough. You you may need... um, The teachers help with this. But when you talk with your child about these math difficulties that he's having, aside from hearing that it's hard, are you hearing anything else? And here's the reason I'm asking. Any solution, the parameters of any solution, are defined by the concerns of both parties. And so when we get to the invitation, and we say, I wonder if there's a way. What we're saying is, I wonder if there's a way for us to do something about one party's concerns, and also do something about the other party's concerns. And what we're doing there is we're laying some very explicit concerns on the table because that's what defines the parameters of any solution that we might consider, and it lays it out for us So we know what concerns need to be addressed for this problem to be solved. Where will this go awry? One of the ways in which this will go awry is if the concerns of both parties aren't that specific. So now, this is why I asked for an example. Mm
3: -hmm. What
0: are his concerns about the math problems he's having difficulty doing? What did we learn from him in the empathy step of Plan B?
2: Well, we learned that, so we just recently moved. We learned that math is presented in a different way than it was before. Mm -hmm. Um, We've learned that um, he um, is having trouble asking the people around him. He's afraid to feel stupid in front of his class who he doesn't really know with a whole bunch of staff of people he doesn't really know. Um yep. so he doesn't want to ask. We also he said, you know, he never needed to ask before, so he doesn't really know how to ask. Hmm. Um and so I, I guess those are You got are sort some of great his info. His concern, yeah. He <laughs> yeah. did. And that's why what? it was frustrating that we couldn't get a solution to kind of work with that.
0: Well, um, we're going to figure out what the invitation, maybe the invitation did sound exactly this way, but we're going to think about what the invitation would sound like in just a moment. But what were your concerns? And we want to remember that adult concerns fall into one or both of two categories, how the unsolved problems affecting the kid, how the unsolved problems affecting other people. What's your concern about so um, him having difficulty with the math?
2: Right. Our concerns are that he um you know he's falling behind and that by choosing not to do the assignments is causing him to fall behind he's also extre- getting extremely frustrated which is causing a disruption to the class and on certain occasions required him to be removed from class um because he's refusing to do it in a dramatic way and um and so we're concerned that You know, obviously being removed from class also inhibits his learning, Um, but then it's also concerning to us that he's unable to ask and unable to access the help that he could get from a teacher or um, even from us if he didn't understand something at home. He doesn't want to ask.
0: Got it. And did he not want to ask before you moved at home?
2: He didn't need to ask. And he so the, the teachers at the ask. new school have said he, you know, we don't think he knows any math. And I'm sitting there saying he, math was not an issue before. We've ha- we have other subjects, but math is one that has come up since we moved. And um, so I don't really know. So that's why we started there because we thought, oh, well, at least the work will get, you know, like he should be comfortable enough to do that, so let's solve that. And we kind of plan C the other things. But now we seem to be getting stuck on what seemed to be
0: simple before got it okay so um i think you did a pretty nice job in those first two steps of plan b the invitation would probably sound like this and the only comment i would make about your concerns is that by the time he gets upset we are into the aftermath of the unsolved problem Right, And I'm thinking that as it relates to how the unsolved problems affect the unsolved problem, not the aftermath, how the unsolved problems affecting him, it's that he might fall behind in math and that will make it even harder for him to catch up. Would that mm-hmm. be fair?
2: That would be fair.
0: Good. So now I'm going to put them together in the invitation. wonder if there's a way for us to do something about um, the math being presented to you in a different way. That's what he's telling us is the hard part. Mm -hmm. Um, So that you don't fall behind in math, and that would make it even harder for you to catch up. Now, you don't have to have used those exact words, but what you're doing in the invitation is you're recapping the concerns of both parties. And you're asking him if he has any ideas. Now, so one thing that we're trying to get squared away here is... um, if you're not wording the invitation in a way that is at least similar to what I just did, that can explain why you mm-hmm. are getting no solution except just don't go to school or just don't do the assignment.
2: Sure. Here's sure. some other yeah.
0: possibilities. He just may not have any ideas for uh, solutions, and then if he doesn't have any ideas, we no. hope you do. Um, I still think that this is g- and um, you know worst case scenario. You're proposing some solutions another possibility is that he's just not very good at thinking of mutually satisfactory solutions just yet he's and many kids do this by the way, so do many adults. It may be that he just doesn't have a great deal of practice at thinking of mutually satisfactory solutions, so he's proposing solutions that only address his own concerns both we definitely have that issue he does not he, he so he he is pretty good at proposing with that. No, got it. No,
2: he has he has major issues with including us got it. Uh,
0: in the so, addressing. So the next sentence would be just don't. And I don't know how much of this you've done, but after he says just don't do it, mm-hmm. the next sentence from the person facilitating Plan B should be, well, just doing it is just not doing it is one idea. But I'm not sure how that would address your concern. This is me talking to your kid Mm -hmm. because I don't know that that's going to do anything about the information being presented in a different way. And I know it's not going to do anything about my concern, which is that I don't want you to miss out on the math because then you'll fall behind. Let's think Mm -hmm. of a solution that will address both of those concerns. And so it goes. You always can propose solutions, so it's not just his job to propose solutions. And then just one more thing that I would say, Um, embedded within that unsolved problem, I think, is the fact that there's a lot new going on at his new school, given that you just moved. This is one new thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like this is an unsolved problem that you are going to need his classroom teacher to help you solve because it involves his classroom teacher. The conclusion that mm-hmm. they have come to is very different from what you're hearing about at home and they got to be in the loop. I'm having trouble right. seeing how this one will get solved without the folks who are asking him to do math at school. Your thoughts?
2: Which is unfortunate <laughs> because I think we're out of luck on that. So, um 'Cause I tried to do that first. But
0: And what um, response did you get?
2: Um that is a whole long story, but essentially, um, they need documentation of why they have to present it differently and they don't they, they're not accepting the previous school's paperwork on that. So I don't really know what that is. You know, they're not—you're not really changing anything for him. So I'm trying to figure out how to help him work within what they can
0: do for now. Well, yeah.
2: Um,
0: I suppose you can do that, but educational law says they got to meet his needs. Educational law doesn't say anything about mm-hmm. him meeting theirs. Um.
2: It not really yeah. work that way. Long story and, so, and a lot of people that... involved on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you well, broke up uh... a
1: little bit. What What was the last thing that you said?
2: Um, long story and a lot of people involved on trying to fix that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't solve the immediate day-to-day right now. And so that's kind of where we're left at, trying to think of solutions that allow him well, I to wonder... try. <laughs> Go ahead you know, allow him to try to do something different than what he's been doing since that, you know, what he's been doing clearly isn't working and, you know, trying to come up with another
0: way. I wonder if I think that what you're describing as it relates to all the chefs in the kitchen Mm. um, sound to me like at an administrative level and a mm-hmm. long-term level, but mm-hmm. I wonder if his math teacher, just his math teacher, would love to get some information about what's hard for him. And I wonder if his math teacher, I'm putting, I'm putting aside long-term here, and I'm putting aside mm-hmm. administrative, and I'm just talking about him and his math teacher coming to a solution mm-hmm. with the math teacher knowing that the information is being presented in a way that is different than what your son is accustomed to, and if mm-hmm. they can come up with a solution together, because your son is providing you with great information, there might even be right. more to be had. He does mm-hmm. sound like a kid who, more, at a more macro level, may be having some difficulty adjusting to his new school and not just in math. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I wonder if his math teacher would be willing to sit down for 20, 30 minutes after school someday so that she can get to know your son a little bit better understand mm-hmm. what's hard for him, and come up with a solution that at least for the time being will help us through the math problem while you are right. working on the long-term and administrative part of the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll have to try that and see if... We haven't had a lot of success yet, so...
0: But...
1: Well, I'll us try know. that
0: from that and hold just with Susie, <laughs> had... Susie, you've had long experience in dealing with schools um, and your kids? Anything that you'd like to throw in here?
1: Just I appreciate that it's very difficult when the school or the teacher is resistant to um, helping. Um, I found that, you know, I had to be, the squeaky wheel, and really advocate for my son, and it didn't happen the first or second time um but I just kept at it because my kid needed um either extra help or a different way of doing things um, It wasn't perfect, but it it did get better. A little bit better over time, and yes, there was always some resistance, but um, I just tried to advocate for my son. Yeah.
0: Now, I do have colleagues in your area who it sounds like the kitchen is already full of chefs, so I don't know if you need <laughs> another person to add their own ingredients to the mix. But I do have colleagues in the Boston area, who, or at least the area code 617 area,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: who might be able to pitch in. So if you feel that the people who are trying to help you out um, aren't being as effective as you would like them to, and if you feel that you would like another chef to help in the kitchen, (laughs) um, just go to the contact form on the Lives in a Balance website, And we'll have to make sure you get through the firewall. So you'll have to say, um, Dr. Green asked me to email him directly from the radio program. And I'll get it and see what you need. And we'll see if we can get you hooked up with people who can help you if the folks who are helping you now aren't uh, quite getting the job done. Excuse me. Thank
1: you. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to add that um, in trying to be persistent, um, and if it didn't work out, with the teacher initially, you know, and I made several attempts. Um, I spoke either with the school psychologist or the guidance counselor, or there were times that I had conversations with the principal, and that helped get things moving in the direction I needed
0: it to. Okay. All right.
2: Thank
0: I hope you. all that was helpful. But you know what? I think so. The good news is this. You are doing some pretty good plan B with your son. You're running into a few hurdles, namely that it sounds like from what you've told us, um, he's having trouble coming up with mutually satisfactory solutions. Um, He may not be very good at it yet, but that doesn't mean he can't be. Let's mm-hmm. just make sure that his concerns are as clear as possible, your concerns are as clear as possible, and that you're trying to come up with a solution that addresses both sets of concerns. And you can call into this program anytime you wanted to let us know how you're doing.
2: All right, great. Thank you.
0: Thanks for calling.
2: Thanks.
0: Susie, we have another call. Let's see if we can do this in the next eight minutes or so. This is from area code 410. You're on the air. What's up today?
3: Hi. Um, this is really bizarre because my concerns are a lot like the previous caller. I'm just a couple years down the road um and have been dealing with this for many years. Say more um so my um my son is very. He's learned. We've been working with your program for years, and I'm very appreciative of your books and programs. They've been very helpful for us. And he's very um, good at working the program with me, with um, me leading him through the program. And um, he struggles quite a bit in school. And when what I've found is when I try to work with the school um, to – kind of give them, not give them ideas, but work with them to tell them, help them know what works for him at home. Um, Sometimes it's received, and sometimes it comes back that I am just allowing him to have his own way, and I am just completely in plan. I'm trying to explain how we may do plan B at home, and it comes back that it's, I just allow plan C all the time with him as they're trying to institute plan A, and I'm wondering if there's any help that you can give me in trying to to just kind of <laughs> move into that, helping that at school, like what you were saying before, that it's very difficult for me to solve problems at school. It is true. <laughs> so it, do you have any suggestions or any ideas when I'm met with that I'm just trying, I'm just doing plan C? And I just want them to do plan C, which is what, not at all what I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to communicate that he responds really well to plan B. He doesn't respond well to plan A at all.
0: So it sounds like um, you are being accused of putting everything in plan C. There's a very big difference between plan C and plan B. They are right. both part of the model. Plan C is where you're not working on the unsolved problem at all. You are tabling it. It's gone. Um, it's been put on the shelf for now. It's been set aside. Not as an act of giving in. That's, that's one thing people sometimes misunderstand. I find that uh, many folks, including in schools, are paranoid that we might be giving in to the kid. There's no giving in in this model. But Plan C is prioritizing. We're not working on it right now. It's been set aside. So that we have, because we have bigger fish to fry, the things we are working on right now. Plan B are the things we are working on right now, and those are the problems we are trying to solve collaboratively and proactively. So, if you and your son are trying to solve a problem collaboratively and proactively, you are definitely not doing Plan C. If you are setting aside a given unsolved problem, and are not working on it right now because you have bigger fish to fry and have prioritized it away, then you are definitely not doing plan B. You're doing plan C. They are two completely different animals. So now comes the big question. Um, Does the school know enough about plan B and plan C to be accurate in characterizing you as doing plan C?
3: No, I think that it falls into that paranoid of giving in.
0: Got it. Plan C is not giving in. Plan B is not giving in. But if you and the school are on the same page as it relates to the fact that there are unsolved problems at school, probably more than three of them, and you can really only work on three at any given point in time, and that means some are not going to be worked on right now and some are, And if you all are agreeing on what those unsolved problems are and agreeing on which ones you're setting aside for now and agreeing on which ones you are working on right now, um, then you're in good shape. But if it's falling apart in any of those realms, then you do run the risk that you will be uh, falsely accused of doing Plan C and giving in when you're really not. The big question is how well do they understand it all, and are you really being accurately characterized?
3: Um, that's the thing. I don't think that they do understand it. I think it is that paranoia of, um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not wanting to fall into plan A. <laughs> you know, because plan A doesn't work for him. It's, there's mul- just a tons of evidence that plan a does not work for him so i try to say that we need to do something different and i think it's that paranoia that i'm just um whatever you said before that it's just giving in so i feel stuck and moving forward
0: what are you going to do moving forward
3: well, I just feel stuck gonna, moving forward because it's. Yeah. I know A doesn't work with him, and it's kind of like um, you know they the they move toward doing Plan A more and stronger. If if it's not working, then they move to more and stronger. And when I try to say it didn't work in the first place, so more and stronger certainly isn't going to work. That's kind of the the paranoia of giving in as opposed to doing something different.
0: Well, but I'm also hearing something else, and that is that they might be paranoid of giving in, but they also might be trying to solve problems using Plan A. And a lot of people are paranoid of giving in if they don't have Plan A as an option. And so it could be that um, they don't know enough about Plan B to know that you're solving the problem whether you're using A or B. And they may think that anything except Plan A is giving in. So I'm not sure if the issue is that they don't understand Plan C. My, I'm wondering if the issue is that they don't understand what Plan B is and that it is a better way to solve problems than Plan A and that you aren't giving in if you're solving problems using Plan B. In other words, the first uh, email that we read today was about setting limits. There's a lot of adults in this world, including in schools, who think that there's only one way to set limits, Plan A. There's another way to set limits. It's called Plan B. The big question is, how are we going to help them understand Plan B better? And that's going to be the million-dollar question um, for you. and how we help them do that. Um, I may have some certified providers in your area. So if you go to the Lives in the Balance website, use the contact form, and say that I instructed you to email me from the radio program. Once again, you'll get to the firewall and I'll take a look and see if we have anybody in your area who might be able to be helpful in helping the school and you, um, uh, the school in particular, Know about Plan B and Plan C, and know that they got a whole bunch of options besides Plan A.
3: Sound like a deal? Okay, okay, thank you.
0: Thank you as always for calling in, and Susie. Unfortunately, that's going to do it for us today. We are out of time, but we'll be doing this from Sweden next week if I can pull it off.
1: All right, safe travels. That should be fun.
0: Thank Thank you. you.